bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's chief equity strategist, John Blank, to discuss the strategies we will try to deploy, possibly, for surviving or trying to survive this apparent trade war we're in. Okay, so the S&P 500 is just only 4.4% off its all-time high here, but a lot more volatility has come back into the market and a lot of the big popular names, especially in technology, have pulled back more than the 4.4% now. So we're feeling some of the pain here, John, and now we we have the start of the 25% tariffs that everybody was hoping would not happen for the last year or so. And now here we are, and now we've gotten some retaliatory tariffs by the Chinese. So what's an investor to make of all of this? Well, Tracy, uh, last year, if last year teaches anything, um, everything that was talk from this president and its administration didn't matter. What mattered was the tariff hikes of 10% in June. And so... The last two days, we've got tariff hikes from the United States and more tariff hikes from China. And this is taking everyone up from 10% to 25% tariffs in the next two or three weeks. And at the end of the day, tariffs are a meaningful change to the global economy, and that's bearish. And there's no way around it other than to suggest that this is going to slow growth for the world economy now, particularly China a little more than the U.S., but not kill either. And it's going to isolate the United States diplomatically, not only from China, but from its allies who are still trading with China. And so the long-term consequences politically are quite severe for both parties, and the short-term consequences are not good for the market, and the medium-term consequences for growth are kind of soft. Not a recession, but not good news. Okay, so that was going to be my next question. Do you see a recession, you know, being imminent or something in the next, you know, by the end of the year then with all this going on? No, I don't. What I see is the justification for maintaining um, rates at a fixed rate by the Federal Reserve and continuing to do quantitative easing or what they call targeted long-term refinance operations out out of the ECB it's basically going to keep all of the central bank policy organizations on a watch around the world to keep rates down. So the only bullish case you have is that the Federal Reserves and the monetary authorities outside the United States are going to basically act. But I think they're not going to act as so much as they're going to be convinced that their failure to act so far this year is the right answer. Okay. Could we see a bout of inflation with this kind of tariffs? Well, inflation is a sustained rise in price inflation. This will create price prices that are higher. It already has, but it will not be a sustained rise. It will okay. be a one-off rise. Right. So the, the language is price increases, but not price inflation. Okay. And that will obviously change consumer behavior because I know right. I know it, it'll change mine if I was going to buy a laptop and suddenly it's 25% more. Then You'll buy it. Yeah, on the market, <laughs> less laptops will be bought. Yeah. And less equipment that is tied to laptops will be bought, and all the supply chains will be knocked, and the yeah. entire thing will go down. 
And then there's a secondary set of effects of what happens to all of the uh, demand and suppliers that are caught in the in the in the waves that happen at the back end of these things. So mm-hmm. it can multiply, but in general, given it's only been sixty billion on the ch- Chinese side and two hundred billion on the U.S. side, the next thing to come is the three hundred billion on additional tariffs right. to things that are not tariffed by the United States now. The bigger, I think, Tracy, the biggest issue here is, in my mind, is whether this entire thing is a pretext for uh, an administration that fundamentally believes in tariffs and is going to leave them in for a period of years. And then the American people have to choose between actually living in a tariff economy or one that's going to be different. And that means that at least another year and a half of tariffing is in place. Okay, uh, and that's really the most bearish thing is that at the end of the day, like I said last year, is the lesson I learned is talk and all the action and all the negotiations did not matter. What did matter was tariffs, and what we got out in the last two days is tariffs, and we were likely to have a, a a very convincing argument made that this next year and a half will lead to full tariff, and not only on China but on U.S. autos with Europe. And on on and on the list will go, and that is a fundamentally century-long change from policies that took tariffs down all the way back to Woodrow Wilson to today. And so we're going to kind of a 19th century mercantile world where the United States is going to be living behind tariffs. And uh, and frankly, none of us have ever lived there before. Right. Now, part of that is, um, you know, going to impact the supply chains, like you said, and there's already all the talk. And there was even when the 10% came on, and then there was just the threat of the 25, that a lot of manufacturers in China would be trying to move their supply chain. But I've always argued that, you know, it's not like you're moving a big manufacturing facility that's been there for 20 years in, you know, two months somewhere else where, the people, uh, the and workers there might not be as skilled at whatever it is you're making in China that you've been doing for a couple of decades. So where do you see the supply chain fallout happening? I mean, everybody's talking about Vietnam and Mexico and, you know, getting a lot of the manufacturing that will be moved out of China. But from what you're saying, it's possible if you move them somewhere else, there might be tariffs there, too. Yeah, you know, one thing that led all this is the solar panels, which have been dominated by China for some time. And they've been tariffed and attacked uh, for decades, too. So I would guess the central planning authorities and the discussions within China on chips and electronics and clothes and all this luggage and all this other stuff will follow the solar model. And the solar model is basically multinational manufacturing that is in places that are Chinese-speaking domiciles like Taiwan and Malaysia, parts of Indonesia, you know, Thailand, I mean, Vietnam. There, there's, these things, again, are also decades long. So some of these supply chains are just going to be shifted in, in, in ways that have been recognizable, like the solar panels, for some time. So the Chinese will not stop making things, they will just stop making them under the flag of the Communist Party of China. They will make them in Chinese domicile areas. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's something to watch then. See what right. It's basically a, the bigger problem here, again, is is this doesn't solve any problem for the United States in terms of its trade balances. It'll be just a more 
heterogeneous set of countries importing to the United States the same stuff to get around the thing. And so then, the, again, the next question is, then, then this gets figured out in another six months, and then they tariff those two. Okay. Right, and this right. Is the problem here is, is does this trade war just morph into a tariffing exercise on all U.S. goods? Um, and that is not something we can dismiss anymore, because it, it seems to be the case that this president thinks that's where he wants to go, and he sees no downside to it. Right, because then you'll bring the manufacturing back to the United States as his right. thinking. In the, in the theory is that the manufacturing will come back to the United States when the tariffings are put up. Right. Right. Okay. And, uh, and so I personally have worked on this particular issue with the largest manufacturing cluster in the United States for six or seven years. They did not push me in the first round to get out there and put tariffs on all the apparel stuff. Uh, why? It's pretty simple, because the 45 to 55 percent of those that still exist as apparel manufacturers insource half their stuff. Yeah. And they're in a very, very price competitive. There's been negative price increases on apparel for 25 years. So right. it's a global business. So if people are bringing in finished goods or you're trying to sell your goods anywhere outside of the United States, you're not going to be able to compete with without any cheap stuff from China and other places like it. So yeah. the problem here is uh, if you sell globally in your United States system, the, the only thing that works now is to manufacture domestically for domestic markets all of your inputs and all your outputs. This is a closed supply chain that hasn't existed in 25 years. Yeah. Um, and this is being done in the context of 3.6% unemployment and, and very little interest in immigration, by the way, you know, the apparel manufacturers going into the 30s relied on Mexican women to do all the work. That's not going to happen. Right, right. Um, so you're also going to get um, labor squeezes on these types of things, and then you're going to have a lot of people with a great deal of skepticism about doing a fully isolated value chain in the United States if it's going to be reversed in a year and a half. Right. Yeah. So then it's like, well, if this always gets to be a big political wash, then I'll sit this out, and that's where the malaise comes for the next year and a half. It's not a recession, it's just a malaise. Yeah. And that's probably the base case is that this becomes a tariff-driven malaise until the country sorts out whether it wants this guy for their four years or not. Okay. So what do I do as an investor for the for the next 18 months then? Well, timing is everything here. I mean, the market <laughs> yeah. has to digest this thing. Right. Uh, and the market has to decide how much further this thing gets, and then it has to weigh the damage and decide it can deal with it and understand it better. Since not one alive has ever dealt with this, this could be, you know, three to six months of ennui. Uh, ennui, maybe not the word, of, of angst. Yeah. by the market. Yeah. Angst is the word I'm looking for. And then the market will decide it understands this. And the manufacturers may understand they understand this. And there may become a time where this doesn't seem to be as alarming as it is right now. Right. Okay. Um, so the other point is people will buy stocks that there's nowhere else to go because the Fed's going to keep the interest rate down. Right. Which again, I mean, the other thing that can happen here is stocks go up because that's the only place to make money and people just get into them again. Right. Um, and then the, the the bull case here is that the Fed is now out of the game, and rates are falling. 
outside of the United States. And this basically is the compensated differential that, that, that the market begins to price, as well as the tariffs, and it all works out. So, effectively, tariffs for the United States are a restrictive fiscal policy. And in some respects, um, if you take the tariff word out and just use restrictive fiscal policy, in a deficit context, that is actually welcome and welcome weakening. So there is a heterodox, a conventional heterodox way of thinking that says this is just going to be fine. And it's a late cycle way to restrict fiscal policy at a time when the Fed can keep rates lower for longer. And maybe we do get another you know, year out of the cycle as a result of this, which would be odd to think about, but actually has very conventional support to think about it that way. Okay. So should I be waiting then for possibly a bigger pullback in a lot of like the technology names and things that were hot, the hot glamour names, see if those come back? Because, you know, if people decide to get back in the market once they figure out everything that's going on, then is that where I want to be? Do I want to be in like the Square and the PayPal again? Um, And I know a lot of people have been mentioning the big social media stocks that are not even in China because they've been banned from being over there, like Facebook or Twitter are two that are not in China at all, or Google Alphabet is not allowed to be over there either, really. So should I hide out in some of those and then wait on some of these other ones to see if they pull back? I mean, everything. Yeah, here's the question that the longer it goes on, the more people think there'll be a Democratic president. And so we've learned this with the HMO stocks, which are um, sold off. They're holding up, but they've right. already sold off yeah. on the whole health care for all. So the, one of the right. tricks to the question here is if this is stupid and demand goes down and growth is worse and the stock market doesn't recover, then the Democratic allocating stocks that are, you know, socialism, quote, socialism, you know, medical stuff, education stuff, infrastructure stuff, anything a Democratic administration would do could also get bought or sold. So there, there is a smaller set of, of defensive companies than you think in this environment. Because yeah. think about it, <laughs> staple stocks, because all the, the ag things are getting beat up. Um, yeah. Maybe that's a good spot because there's cheaper inputs, but that's usually not a great deal of their, their cost structure. Right, and so you go through this and realize it's probably a huge ball of hair, and the market's not going to care uh, to get that granular about this stuff. Yeah. What about like financials? What about buying one of the big banks, like a Bank of America or J.P. Morgan? Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's a question of valuations on the stock. The stocks have run up a lot. Now they're pulling back. Yeah. Um, again, you know, things like utilities, banks, real estate groups. Uh, some of the big domestic names you said. But again, I mean, think about like a Facebook or a Twitter. I mean, if a domestic president comes in and then does a does a, a antitrust takedown of Facebook or, or, you know, regulates heavily Twitter because of all the incendiary uh, information, yeah, sure. misinformation that's out there, that can be factored into the market. So the, the, the question you have here is if you get rid of Trump, what does the alternative look like and then what does stocks get sold off? So as he gets... There's more poorly as the growth goes down. Um, there's a whole set of stocks that can also go down that you might not think are attached to him at all because they're attached to Bernie Sanders or somebody else. Yeah. What about the semiconductors here? I, I take a lot of grief on stock twits whenever I post the earnings on some of the semiconductors. You know, the earnings estimates have been cut 
pretty dramatically on some of them, but they seem to be kind of ground zero for the trade war issue. Yeah, I mean, here's the problem. I mean, there's already an inventory problem for the chip stocks. And the news out of Taiwan was that they're looking for a second-half rebound, even of last week. Now, the problem here is you have now exacerbated this inventory problem and probably pushed back its recovery for at least a quarter. Um because it will rebalance eventually, but when's eventually? And that's now a nebulous word, and when you tariff things, you slow demand down, so the recovery is going to become slower, and when it does come, it'll be weaker. So it becomes a question of timing. When does the market start to see the turn in the... And really, it's a DRAM and NAND pricing. When those turn, whenever they turn, however they turn, then I think you've got to believe in the market having sorted this thing out on its own. But until that happens, um, the prices continue to head south, and there is no recovery in demand, and the inventory is overhanged to the chip stocks, and it's going to be very hard selling. It all is on the forward look. So the problem is somebody out there with a lot of really good information is going to figure this out better than you and I. Right, for sure. Right? For sure. So it's a real tricky thing, and I wouldn't guess... Anybody who's not heavily invested in in quality information on chip stocks is going to understand this and get the turn right. And so you're probably better off waiting till the trends are manifest in the chip stocks themselves over two, three months, and then figure out, okay, I'm 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 understanding that they understood, and get in for the next run. What about Chinese stocks here? Where, Chinese where, stocks again. The national national team, right? National team buying. I mean, I right. own China Mobile today. It's one of my better stocks. It's not going down as much because right. there's national team buying. Baba, on the other hand, is getting pounded. Okay. So, um, and then, like Baidu is down to its its support. So, yeah. I actually think you got to look at Chinese stocks. As, I mean, won't it be the plunge protection team? Won't they be right. moving in there to backstop their their big giants? I would assume right. they so. Will, they will backstop yeah. it. So again, it, it's not going to be a straightforward answer here. Yeah. Um, and this is what's troubling: is that none of these things, on a second or third look, get easy. No. So then it's just uncertainty and lower growth that the market deals with, and in general, the market just doesn't like that and doesn't do anything. And then we're in the middle of the summer, anyways. So what you see is, well, the better answer is to sit in cash for two, three months and figure this thing out right. until the market decides what it wants to do, because the market will probably drift lower during that time, and then you get in at better prices. Right. That's definitely an option, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's very hard not to be bearish on the market right now, because you're at a 16.5 PE multiple. not too high, but there's yeah. n- you've got to justify it. Right. You just with a lot of optimism. And so when there's less optimism, more uncertainty, more ennui, more angst, um, very unlikely that's a recipe for a bull market uh, over the next two to three months. It might be a recipe for a bull market in the fall. Right. Could climb uh, the wall of fear. It could climb the wall <laughs> of fear. People can get comfortable. Yeah. You can get a DRAM price rally. You can, you can start to see supply adjustment actually play out and be effective. Um, you can start to get stories of people making money in a tariffed world that makes sense and yeah. are not garbage. And the market just, just begins to realize this is the new normal and deals with it. Yeah. 
But see, the problem with all that is is there's an election, and you know the Democratic debate started in June. Right. You know, New Hampshire's in February, um, and this is the problem: is that the market can start trading on a Democratic president if it if it doesn't work. If this this whole tariffing doesn't work, or the market doesn't think it's going to work, or the market can decide, you know. That's not going to happen, and there's going to be another four years of Trump, and 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 then you have to sort out the truth for the reality that if it's tariffing world and and it really is slow growth for fourth for next year, even the Republicans who think it's not going to be or might be wrong, and then the market has to sort that out. So right. I, I okay. frankly think it's a very cloudy period. Most of <laughs> definitely, all. I got to get out my magic eight ball. It sounds <laughs> like. Yeah, I mean, it is, <laughs> the basic point is is uncertainty and angst aren't. Terribly, uh, they don't create crises, but and in fact, they kind of ameliorate them because you're not going to get the excesses. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, we're not going to hear too much about a bubble. We're not going to hear sure. much about a bubble, right? Yeah. It's not going to be a lot of optimism. And so, this is what I'm saying. In some respects, this is not the worst way to slow us down when we're at three and a half percent. And it's not in the intended effect, but it probably won't be a, a disaster either. Okay. Well, that's that's always good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we're avoiding disaster. Um, all right, so there was some good strategies in there. I mean, it is a cloudy picture right now, so nobody really knows which way it's going to go. But for stock investors, there's still some good ideas in here to think about. So you might want to consider, we talked about like the big social media names that aren't over there, Facebook, FB, Twitter is TWTR, Google slash Alphabet is G-O-O-G-L, um, some Chinese stocks might be bargains going forward. Alibaba, they're reporting this week. B-A-B-A and Baidu is B-I-D-U. And Baidu's chart, I was looking at that. That's not looking too good here. So could get some opportunities there. Um, Semi, as we said, basically stay away from those. Uh, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, maybe some of the big banks. You might want to take a look at those. J.P.M., B.A.C. are those tickers. Utilities, REITs could be in play. Uh, might want to. We didn't give specifics on that one, but um, I do want to cover some of those in future podcasts. So stay tuned for those. But yeah, like it'll be. This will be an ongoing story, John, and I'm going to have to have you back on again. I'm sure sometime over the summer to discuss it again because it's seemingly changing nearly every week right now. Yeah, we're going to get more uh, visibility on whether this is a permanent regime of higher tariffs in the United States for a foreseeable future. Okay. Uh, and that's really the issue the market's got to sort out. Okay. So if you want to get all of our podcasts here at Zach's, be sure to get the Zach's Market Edge. It's on SoundCloud. You can also get us on Apple Podcasts, and we are now on Spotify. But be sure to subscribe somewhere so you don't miss a single episode. And I'll be back again next week with some more stock picks.